listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. At the top of the hour this hour, the new school year is underway, and SoJam is coming a lot sooner than you think. The event starts on November 2nd in Durham, North Carolina. The headliners have been announced, and audiences will be treated to the sounds of voice play and North Carolina natives, Transit, who were ACA Open finalists in 2017. The instructor list has also been released and includes Mel Danicky, Alex Green, Kevin Guest, Alice McNulty, Evan Feist, Mark Silverberg, Richard Steiner, Michael Wingate, Craig Simonetti, and a whole lot more. It's going to be one incredible weekend. Get your passes now at SoJam.net. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella, Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Lampus, joined by my fellow co-host, Brian. Brian, how's it going? John, it's going fantastically. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. And, you know, I'm really excited because we have Gary Stroh here from Cypress Lake High School. And this this is a pretty big deal. Gary, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm great to be with you guys. Gary, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are? Well, I teach at Cypress Lake Center for the Arts, Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, I've been at the school. I'm starting my 18th year and I hate I hate to actually admit that because this makes me old, but this is my 30th year of teaching. I'm started. I've really had some like old moments, like oh my gosh, what has <laughs> happened? I used to be like the kid around, but now this is year 30. But uh, and I'm also the director of Tag, the acapella group, uh, which is entering its 16th year of existence. Wow, nice. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to Cypress Lake High School Center for the Arts and your journey with TAG? Because both Brian and I know TAG. I've listened to your guys' albums before. But for listeners who might not know you guys, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with TAG starting at all that stuff? Yeah, I came to Cyprus 18 years ago. Uh, I actually was a high school band director for a bunch of years. Oh, wow. And then uh, in college, I did both band and, and vocal and choir uh, and just circumstances made me a band director and then other circumstances and like principles that were crazy, uh, <laughs> caused me to think, Oh, maybe I'll go back and do choir. And so I knew the, the directors at Cyprus and they wanted me to come there and, and kind of build up the vocal music program there. Uh, so I got there and then right next door is Cypress Lake Middle School. And at the time, Brian Havercate, uh, had just gotten a job as the middle school director there. You might know him. He's currently the director of Detroit Voice. He's the founder of the Acafellas at Michigan State, and he's the uh, founder yeah. of, of All Night Yahtzee. He's the founder of All Night Yahtzee at uh, Florida State. And so he was able to get, he said, hey, do you want All Night Yahtzee to come down and perform for your kids? And I was oh, like, yeah, good. of course. <laughs> so they came to our choir room, uh, and they sang for us. And I credit the song that created Tag was All Night Yahtzee did Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. All all my girls were like bawling and the soloist <laughs> was bawling and they were like, oh my God, they were hugging and we have to do this and Mr. Stroh, we've got to make this happen. And so that was in the spring <laughs> of 2003. So in the fall of 2003, we started our group uh, and that's when we've just gone on from there. So as someone who 
didn't have the opportunity to do uh, acapella in high school, I'm just always curious, you know, what is the kind of, I guess, the tone and what is the vibe that, that came across your, your students or the, the first year students that you had with uh, involved in TAG when you're first starting out the program? You know, is it something that's super welcoming? Um, do they, you know, just kind of go in there with, you know, eyes wide open or is it kind <laughs> of a, a harder sell for you or how does that whole process go? Well, they were, you know, they were so on board because they saw on that Yahtzee. And so we got some mm-hmm. arrangements from them. And then Brian wrote us some arrangements because I, I hadn't had much experience with acapella before then uh so they were all in they were like let's do this let's go uh and we hit the ground running and actually the very first year uh i had some crazy soloist even back in the first year because i've just we're center for the arts high school and i've had some really good singers uh and so we were pretty good that first year we had kind of simple arrangements but we were really good and we we performed well we, some of my kids went to the manager of our local performing arts hall and said, Hey, is there anything we could do? We'd love to. And she's like, well, actually the four tops are coming and they've looked for a local Ooh. act. Oh, so wow. we, we made a recording for them, sent it to the four tops. They're like, Oh my God, these guys are great. Yes. We would love them to open. So we got to open in our very first year for the four tops, sold out house, 1800 people. And we brought the house down. Like 10 years later, I was at a party, my wife, some of my wife's friends, and the woman, one of the women's like, where, where do you work? And she's like, I remember seeing this group that opened for the four tops. That was like them. I was like, oh yeah, that's my group. That was no problem. So, uh, it was, it was quite the, in the first year to kind of have that start for the group. That's really kind of like taken us off even yeah. from then. That sounds like a way to really, I mean, you, like you said, you had all night Yahtzee kind of kickstart the desire for that group to come about and then having the four tops as like getting to sing with them as almost the conclusion to was that near the end of the first year or was that near the beginning yeah it it was about march i think march early april that's like an awesome cycle there of having one group kind of inspire you guys and then one thing we talk about on the show a lot is positive reinforcement from performing acapella and having something like that with a group of that caliber and that notoriety i have to imagine for your students besides just being an awesome experience i just got imagine that inspired them so so much and probably created a even a stronger sense of legitimacy with your program saying like hey this is a real thing we we're really good and people are noticing and now you've created this awesome legacy and you're reaping the rewards from that yeah it was it was an amazing the kids some of the kids from that group you know i'm still in touch with a lot of them still Mm -hmm. talk about that night they can remember that night like it was yesterday and it was just amazing for the crowd to go crazy for them like that so, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, because, uh, me, myself, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of older, older groups and more, you know, more prolific groups from the past. And, and I'm not as much into the current scene as I probably should be in my age. But, um, you know, where, where do you kind of, when you're thinking of inspiration for music and you're thinking of, okay, well, now that I've got, uh, students invested in here, you know, where do I go from here? Do you know it? Are you drawing a lot from more older vocal styles? Is it more of your plan more to the current music scene? Or how do you balance the two? You know, what what's your, um, your take on that? We, because of our audience, we're in Southwest Florida, we're on the Gulf side, about two hours south of Tampa. Uh, so it's a retirement capital, you know, people come to Florida to <laughs> retire or, you know, maybe eventually right. die. I've but, seen Seinfeld. Um, yeah. Right. So, um, we perform every, you know, we've 
been so lucky. We are uh, just about to release our 11th album. Um, and it'll be nine in a row. Like uh, every year, a 10 song or more album for the past nine years we've been able to do. And people always ask me, how in the world do you do it? And my answer, my standard answer is we sing for a lot of old people. Uh, and so we always have stuff in our repertoire that they will like. We have some oldies. We have some comedy things. We have, uh, we do the Taco Bell Cannon that, uh, University of Michigan Amazing Blue did, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, oh, no and way. <laughs> people still love it. Uh, we sing that. We sing some Da Vinci's Notebook. We sing some old, uh, uh, we do like My Girl. We'll sing several old. So we do like short people, um, from the seventies. Um, we've done some, uh, Whitney Houston songs the past couple of years that the people love. So we, we balance that in for when we go out and do live performances around town. And then for our albums, that's kind of our most challenging. I let the kids kind of pick and we've been, we've kind of gotten more and more off the beaten path. We found some cool indie songs and some of this. So we, we do a few songs that are kind of popular on the radio, but most of our albums have been kind of off the beaten path songs. And we, our kind of philosophy is, uh, and I don't know if it's old fashioned, but we just like to find songs that we like, not necessarily, you know, we're not, we're not putting together, you know, a theme album or trying to meld everything together. We just want to find a bunch of songs that we like to sing and we like to hear, uh, and record. So that's been our philosophy for our past several albums. Um, and, People seem to like them, uh, and we've been happy with them. So, and so you mentioned that the, your, your students get to pick, and it, and it makes me uh, curious. So, do they have a hand in the arranging process, or is it more just the music selection process, or how do they get involved other than just the, the performance aspect? Yeah, basically the music selection process, and then we have ideas okay. for maybe combining a couple or doing that. But we use we use our main arranger is Tommy Anderson. He does most of our stuff for us. Oh yeah, yep. Um, yeah. And he has for several years. And then I'll do maybe one a year just because of time, you know, because all the other stuff I do at the school with the regular classes and our musicals and all that. It's just so hard to find time to sit and arrange. Um, and we've used some Ben Bram. We have Ben Bram has done some arrangements for us. So, and Tom really kind of knows our group. And so he really writes well for us. And the kids are really familiar with his style. So when we get one, you know, we kind of jump right into, uh, and they know how they're put together and what to look for in that. Man, your kids are just spoiled, you know, Ben Bram, Tom Anderson. Oh, they yeah, are. That's awesome. Wow. And what's cool is we've had several kids go on to college groups. We've had mm-hmm. uh, uh, Brittany Russell, who is the amazing lead singer, who's now in Gestalt, uh, was one of our oh, wow. singers. So the musical director for All Night Yahtzee last year was one of ours. We've had some go to Voice Box. And what's cool is they've got a whole blueprint of how to arrange from like the best arrangers Mm -hmm. in the world when they, you know, all of their arrangements. So they've, we've had some really successful people go on into college groups, which has been very cool to see them. That's awesome. Cause I think the notion of an acapella program in high school, sending like experienced acapellites out into the world. I think that's a fairly newer concept. Like I feel like 20 years ago, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like you have good choir mm-hmm. kids. And now mm-hmm. we're at a point where the culture has developed so much through programs like yours. And because the scene is so big that there's a sense of people are coming in to college and they're coming into these groups with a ton of experience already. Cause I, I mean, I'd assume, you know, 20 years ago, it's, 
you know, you do your choir in high school and then the acapella stuff is where you get to kind of break free in college. But now because the culture is so developed and nuanced and it's evolving so much, we have this awesome opportunity for, we can have a higher bar for people who are auditioning for groups when they come in because they've had experiences through programs like yours. I mean, you're talking about albums, you're talking about all these opportunities. I really just want to know, like, how do you do all this? How does it work? What is the like day-to-day running of TAG, of the acapella group? Well, here's where everybody is like, what? TAG is an after-school group, and we meet one time a week for two and a half hours. Um, wow. That's and impressive. And so the kids... You're not lying to kid, us on the show, right? I, I am <laughs> not. I swear. My hand is raised. That's all we rehearse. Uh, if it's come, you know, right before if we're going to do ICHSA that year or something, maybe the week of we'll do, we'll throw in a couple others just to kind of get things, you know, ironed out and yeah. worked out. But we really only rehearse one time a week because the kids are so busy doing other stuff that it's, you know, we, but we've carved that out and the kids are excited to come every week. And what's made it work is they really do a lot of work on their own so that when they come to rehearsal, we can focus on making music and putting stuff together rather than working on parts. So they yeah. really do a lot of homework on their own. Uh, and, and, and we've had such an amazing run that the expectations are so high. Uh, last year was a crazy year for us because the year before I graduated nine senior girls and my base and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Last year, they were replaced by, I had nine sophomores and three freshmen in the group that were taking over for all those upper ones. Uh, one of our producer, ICHS producer was like, oh my gosh, last year you had like 25 year old women walking down and this year they're like, oh my God, they're so cute. Um, cause they were all babies. Uh, but with that changeover, we had an amazing year and we won at Memphis with all young babies. So the they when they came in knowing, well this is what tag is. This is what tag does. We got to do it and they hit the ground running and we just had an amazing year with all the new people. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to talk more about uh Memphis and man the amazingness I'm sure that was. But a quick question you brought up um just with everything going on that you guys do and the the little amount of time that you actually devote during the the school day so how do you motivate high schoolers uh, when it comes to that because i think back to my time in a college group and you know of course when you get to the college level you have classes spread out you can you have a little bit more flexibility and you know you're i like to think a little bit more mature not not completely but at the high school level that's a, i wasn't in that mindset quite Same. yet so the idea of extra homework or extra music learning. Where do you think the motivation for all of that comes from? I think them wanting to really carry on. And we have, we have people come back. Um, last year was the 15th anniversary. Uh, we, we, you know, really celebrated all of the members of the group and some people have come back, uh, and they've seen that. And so they really kind of embrace the fact that we have something special. Uh, that very few and we're at a level that very few groups are at and they really they really do their part to maintain it and I you know I push them and try to motivate them but a lot of it I think is their own intrinsic like motivation for really wanting to maintain what we have and keep things going that makes a lot of yeah. sense um, something Brian and I talk about pretty often on the show is group culture and group motivation and especially a sense of investment because Brian and I both started groups uh, when we were in undergrad 
and something we both ran into is like, okay, how do we get people invested in this? Because we're asking them, like if we're just inviting them in, we're asking them to invest in an idea that has no products mm-hmm. to show for it yet. We're promising them like, it'll be awesome. We will, you'll get to do all this. You'll get to do have all these fun opportunities, but it's still asking them to kind of trust us. But what you're afforded the opportunity to do, because obviously now Tag has been around so long, is they trust and are inspired by what the group has been. It's a program that becomes self-sustaining because you guys have had so much success. I mean, just from what you're saying, it sounds like the kids have a deep understanding of like, this is tag. It's not like when I go up to people um, in choir and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start this group. I don't have a name for it yet. Um, we could sing at this thing or whatever. There's there's obviously a difference there in uh, one is an idea and one is thoroughly established with a lot to show for it. So I think it's really awesome that this is a group that's more than a group but it is a culture and the fact that the kids understand that it's self-sustaining and they they know what they have to do so that's that's great and i think that's what we really search for brian and i definitely searched for when starting our own college groups that they become more than just groups and i think it's really inspiring to see high schoolers do this because so often we talk about acapella just as a college art so this is really inspiring for me and i'd say I'll speak for Brian as well, because uh, as group founders, this is really cool to see something come so far and feed back in on itself. Yeah. And I I just, I'm really lucky and um, I love being along for the ride and seeing what they can do and also keeping track of all of our previous members. Uh, and kind of one of our threads is, is that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the songs of Gabrielle McAfee that we've done, Stay Gold, um, mm. Burn It Down, Run With It. Yeah. They've been on yeah. Voices Only. Uh, and she wrote two new songs for us this year. She's been out of the group for a few years. She came actually back when we were recording, ended up singing background vocals. The kids were like freaking out like she was a rock star. <laughs> like they were taking pictures with her. And like she's like, no, you guys are the awesome part. I just love coming back and, you know, being a part of the group. So it was very cool, you know, to see that and, to, and for our members to keep giving back and being a part of it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. I love that idea of just constantly giving back. And I'm sure that was an amazing experience for them. I'm, I'm curious, what's been the school's reception and reaction to TAG as a whole? Has it been pretty positive? Uh, student body, you know, appreciate the arts. What's the temperature like with that? Yeah, we're, we're positive and we're not amazingly positive. They ask us to perform at pep rallies, but it's almost impossible to mic that group. Yeah. And so I always uh, like okay. hesitate. So we've done a couple performances like uh, getting ready for Memphis and ICHSA where we'll invite classes and we'll have seven or 800 students come to the auditorium where we have uh, everybody on mics and we can do them. And then the people are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And people are always looking forward. September is usually when we release the album. So all the kids are excited that the new album is about coming out. So there's a lot of buzz on campus about that as well. That's awesome. And I'm, I really want to dive into this even more we do have to take a quick break we're going to pass it over to amanda tran for her segment notable coverage this is john and brian talking with gary stroh of tag and we're going to be right back you're listening to community supported acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org acaville where people know the hashtag symbol is for more than social media Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and for episode 17, 
we're going to listen to Viva La Vida. For some reason, if your group has been around for at least 10 years now and you haven't done Viva La Vida, well, that's pretty much a rarity because there is pretty much a Viva La Vida for every single acapella group that exists out there. And they're all pretty much direct transcriptions of the song, except for maybe different syllables for that very iconic violin sound at the beginning of the song that you guys hear. I'm always wondering why groups always want to seem to do the same song. Every time you attend a festival or a competition, there's always at least two or three song repeats, and we don't know why. The songs, there's so many popular songs out there. Why aren't they choosing other ones? I think it definitely boils down to the arranger of the groups. A lot of times, groups will have sound identities, and but those identities, especially in collegiate groups, evolve and change over time as music directors and arrangers change and learn and grow as well, even if they are the same people. Um, that being said, when you are in the process of choosing a song to arrange, you have to take into consideration so many factors, how many people in your group, the voice parts, the ability of your singers, their ability to emote, their ability to give dynamic and feeling to the songs, and also just your own imagination and creative spark within each of the songs. You may hear a song on the radio and you get really inspired by it, or you just hear a song and you're like, that would be super easy to arrange. So there's definitely a lot of a, a lot of factors that go into the arrangement, obviously, but the song selection is so key. Um, for a song as iconic and memorable as Viva La Vida, I think it's very hard to create an arrangement that brings a unique and creative spin to the song. If you change it too much, it doesn't sound like the song anymore. If you don't change it at all, it just sounds like a transcription. So that being said, you should no longer do Viva La Vida. I even found versions of it posted a year or two years ago, and they pretty much sound exactly the same across the board from the past 10 years or however long the song has been out. That all being said, I'm going to leave you with a version of Viva La Vida by the incomparable Noteworthy from Brigham Young University. This is their all-female group that was featured on the sing-off, which is super cool. But the studio version, I felt, was probably one of the best productions. It definitely gave a lot of dynamic and showed some creativity in the arrangement. Also, the soloist was an alto, so team altos. Girls killed it. Here you go. I used to rule the world. Seas would rise when I gave the word. Now in the morning I sleep alone. Sweep the streets I used to own. so much for tuning into notable coverage this week again my name is amanda tran if you guys have any requests any questions any suggestions any song requests definitely hit me up on social media my handle is at amanda tran rocks that's at amanda tran r-o-c-k-s and i look forward to talking with you guys again next week thanks guys bye
And welcome back to Tacapella. Thanks for joining us. We've been having an exciting show today. We've had Gary Stroh, the director of TAC at Cypress Lake High School, join us today and talk about the high school acapella scene, which is so refreshing and something new that we don't often get a chance to discuss on the show. So just to kind of kick things back off, Gary, I'm, I'm just curious. TAG is an interesting acapella group name. Is, <laughs> what was the inspiration behind that? Was there uh, inspiration? Was it just kind of a, a random throw it out there to the wind? How did the name form? So the name formed because when we started the group, we founded an acapella group. So, okay, here's <laughs> here's our acapella group. It's the acapella group. Uh, we have acapella group rehearsal. The acapella group's going to perform. We're like, okay, we got to come up with a name. So lots of suggestions, nothing the group ever led. This continued for a long time. <laughs> Every rehearsal would be like, hey, we have to have a name. Because we started to go out and perform some. Like, we got to have a name <laughs> when we go out. And then I, we talked about the Four Tops thing came, and we still did not have a name. And we performed, we brought the house down, and so I'm like, uh, guys, that's our name. We cannot change it at this point because everybody knows the acapella group is who performed at the Four Tops. <laughs> we are stuck with that name. You were so lame that you couldn't come up with a name that that's now it. <laughs> So we're not any acapella group, however. We're the acapella group. <laughs> and then we discovered, you know, a few weeks later that, well, that kind of makes tag. We can play around with that a lot. Uh, so it went from there. But it was our own lack of inspiration and ability to come up with a music pun that led to <laughs> tag. That's hilarious. I don't think I think that's the first story I've ever heard of a, um, a group's name being decided just kind of on default, just like, well, <laughs> you know, this is this is what you guys reduced us to. So that's, that's pretty hilarious. That's what it is. Um, so so kind of getting back to tag as well. So you guys are actually been to Memphis for the big national acapella convention. Uh, I kind of want to switch gears and kind of focus on that a little bit. What was that whole experience like? Because I, if I my memory serves right, you guys did pretty well there. We um, we've actually been to three of the four Memphis conventions. Okay. Uh, we went the first year, and this is kind of something that's helped perpetuate the group. Is that when we got there year one, we were not competing. They only picked four groups to compete that year, and we really didn't take our submission video very seriously. If we'd only known like there were four and you know, you needed to do, we would have, but so we were a featured performer, uh, and we were just going to, to experience it. And when we got there, people were like, Oh my God, tags here. Oh my God. I can't believe it. And we met TK, who I don't know if you know from Casa. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I love tag. This is so amazing that you're here. And they were just like, what? How, people know us? I can't even believe this. So that was kind of the first time they got like national on a national level. People know who we are and like appreciate what we do. And so then the second year we went, we competed and we finished third. Uh, we lost to Vocal Rush because everybody loses to Vocal Rush. <laughs> and then uh, this true. past year we went and competed again and we're able to come out on top. Uh, so kind of our first national win and uh, the check for $5,000, which was not, that wasn't too okay. bad either. So. so I'm really curious. You're talking about having a national reputation. How, how do these kids handle that and how, and, and here's the big thing, and I'm speaking from experience here, 
how do you not let this stardom go to their heads? Because most of the <laughs> people in the uh, acapella group slash show choir in my high school, they got in as juniors. And I was, because they just needed more bases that year, I got in as a sophomore and my head just ballooned and I had the biggest <laughs> ego and it took years to just kind of get it back down to regular size. I'm really curious how you manage this national reputation that TAG has and how that affects the group. I think when we are with the group, we never really talk about it. Uh, when we go places, you know, they'll get recognized and they're like excited. But when on a day to day rehearsal, we don't ever talk about it. And I am constantly like my every year when I start the year, okay, this year I'm going to praise more because I'm not that big of a praise. I'm like, okay, we got to work on this. Okay. We got to work on this. Okay. We got to work on this. So I'm not the big, okay. Oh my God. You guys are amazing. Oh my God. That was the best thing I've ever heard. So maybe that kind of helps beat them down a little bit when we're at home. And then <laughs> mm-hmm. when we go out and they're really good, then they can appreciate the, the other people, you know, appreciating them. Uh, but we haven't dealt with it that much at home. I guess, fortunately, you know, I've had some really big personalities and we've dealt with lots of issues with that, but never, you know, the big head and, and oh my gosh, we're so famous. We don't have to do much. So we haven't, I've been able to kind of keep that away from them. So nice. Yeah, I bet that that's. Oh, excuse me, I just lost my train of thought. That was really weird. Oh, dude, see, I, I don't <laughs> ever have one, so that's. <laughs> oh, okay, then that, that's pretty easy then. <laughs> I try to avoid them myself. Yes. <laughs> no, that, no, that's impressive. That you know, you guys are able to kind of stay grounded in that sense, and like you said, now mention the group while you guys are there, even though you know it's just you know the scene is growing even for high school groups, and it's it's just impressive when you know you can take a group who's kind of making waves and, you know, still keep them humble at the end of the day. And so I'm curious, staying on topic with the National Acapella Convention, you know, what's what's the process like when you guys are preparing for a, a thing of this magnitude? Do, do you guys do anything differently in regards to rehearsals? Um, does the group prep differently or, you know, what goes into the process? We really didn't prep much differently. We just kind of go through and and we pick a set uh, that we think will be good. Again, I think sometimes we're outdated, but it seemed like when we were at the mm-hmm. finals in New York City two years ago, we were the only one with like a traditional, like come out with a big fun opener and then do a heartbreaking ballad and then open and then close. Everybody was doing spoken word and starting mm-hmm. with ballads and ending with ballads and I was like, oh gosh, are we like old fashioned? Has <laughs> time passed us by? But last year, you know, when we went to Memphis, uh, we, our set was pretty well received. And so we were excited about that. We're also, I like, I'm not the biggest competition person. Like, really? I, I'm not a big rah rah. I'm like pretty laid back when it comes to that. So I'm not, oh my God, we got to win this. Oh my God, my, I just want to go have experiences. So we're always like when we go to the ICHSA, we're the ones that we go out and like visit the other groups and say hi. And the kids like to, um, cause I'm like, we want to be the friendly group. We want to be the ones that, you know, we, we talk to everybody. We try to make new friends because that's what it's about. Like meeting other people, uh, that, you know, you want to sing with, uh, and sing for. So we like, we've hosted the ICHSA, the quarterfinal the past couple of years. And we've gotten like the groups together before it in a big circle and gotten them to like sing something from their, not from their set for each other, just for fun and for the kids to go crazy. And, and my kids went crazy for other groups and they went crazy for us. And we just thought it was a, a cool experience. So I think that's another factor is that I'm not like, okay, we got to do this, this, because this is what the judges want. This is what we just, we just try to be mm-hmm. good 
and do what we do. It's never been like a huge thing for me. Just not my personality. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's, I really like hearing that because in talking with Aaron, again, the founder of Acavella, I actually uh, wrote a whole paper for um, grad school about like how acapella came to be more and more popular, just looking at a lot of sources. And you look at things like Glee, which while not acapella, still kind of set the mood a little bit. The sing-off, ICCA is getting bigger. It's a lot of these things are focused around competition. And the mm-hmm. things that kind of brought on acapella, uh, Aaron put it, they were kind of legitimized because they were a competition. And I, I always kind of wondered like how much does that affect groups sometimes of do they not feel legitimate if they're not winning? How does it affect group morale? How does that affect, especially in, and this is the big one here, which you touched on, how do we interact with other groups? I know the two acapella groups slash show choirs in my town, they were always at each other's throats. There's a lot of toxic culture between them. So I think it's really great that you're actively encouraging your students to make those connections with other groups because yeah competitions are fun but that's not the only thing acapella is about and i feel like the culture as a whole is moving not moving away because we all still love um the iccas and ichsas but i think more and more people are recognizing like hey this is not the only thing having fun doing what we're doing and sharing it with other people that's how this art is going to sustain itself because you can win all the competitions you want but if no one likes each other and if everyone's at each other's throats uh whether you're in the same group across countries opposing groups in the same small Oregon town it's that's not a sustainable model so I think it's really great to hear they I mean and it's the same thing with the albums with making sure they don't have big heads um you know ego and all that stuff you're not just taking care of them as competitors and you're taking care of them as students and as people and that's something that I think can easily fall by the wayside especially when it's you know you're in crunch time it's like we have the ICHSAs tomorrow and we don't have that key change down i think it's so easy mm-hmm. for acapella groups and i find myself doing this to get militaristic or just like mechanical so i think it's really great that with the stuff you're saying there's still a heart to it and that i think is a much better motivator than we have to win yeah we it's it's super important for me to really try to uh meet as many people um, share music and sing with them rather than the competitions. You know, uh, the kids, the kids do like the competing and it's, they think it's cool. But if I, I could go and never do a competition and just go <laughs> sing with a bunch of people, I'd be happy. So that's, you know, kind of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah. And, and, and I love that idea. And I, I wish that was something kind of instilled in my acapella experience earlier on because I didn't do, as I mentioned, I didn't do acapella in high school. So when I got to college and first started started out with a group, by then I was already familiar with all these groups that competed. And so there was always this thought in the back of my mind, okay, well, at some point we have to get to a level to where we're competition ready. And I think not that it completely derailed or kind of changed my acapella experience. It took a lot longer for me to focus more on just, you know, how do you create these bonds in this group just to have this um, this culture of loving what we're doing, loving the performance aspect of it, loving, loving just the art at the end of the day. And so um, like it's so refreshing to hear that someone is out there doing this, um, you know, for students at uh, an age before the collegiate level. So that that's truly impressive. And we always we always make sure like, you know, we'll do our competition set of the three songs, but we have mm-hmm. usually 15 to 20 songs that we're ready to go do by, you know, November, December, so that we can go out and sing for somebody from anywhere from, you know, 20 minutes to an hour 
if they want them and have the whole repertoire. So we don't just focus on the three. We, it's really important that we do a whole bunch of different music, give a bunch of kids different, uh, a chance to solo in front of the group, uh, and just to sing as much music as possible. I, I would go insane if we just worked on three songs mm-hmm. forever. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's why we just try to sing as much as possible and go out and do that. Absolutely. Uh, the music educator in me is is so curious. How do you structure rehearsals? You said you have two and a half hours once a week. How do you fit all those songs in there? You said again that the kids do a lot of work on their own and that's great. And obviously that's a byproduct of the journey you've kind of taken this on telling us about how the group has grown mm-hmm. and how it, it kind of folds back in on itself, inspiring itself. But uh, just almost on like a technical level, how how do you do rehearsals? We'll, you know, start out, we'll do some warm ups, we'll sing something fun, you know, that we know. And then usually I'll say, okay, I really want to focus on maybe these three songs this week, really mm-hmm. spend some time, get those up, and then we'll tear them down, we'll put them together. Tom Anderson writes lots of, you know, trios that work. Mm-hmm. So then we'll get and we'll work together with the trio. Okay. This, you guys go off, you know, the, the, the rhythm section. You guys work on this. I want to work on this counter melody trio and we'll do that. So they really are tuned into listening mm-hmm. to those things. And then we'll bring them back, put them together and we just kind of break down the pieces. And then we like to end with going back and touching up some pieces that we haven't sung for a while. So we kind of keep everything fresh as we go on. Uh, and then we'll do a couple big, like to, on Saturday, every at the beginning of the year, we do a big retreat. So Saturday, we're going to do a one to eight um, rehearsal and we're going to have fun and we're going to bond and we're going to sing a lot. We usually do it out on Sanibel Island, but I don't know if you've heard the National Water Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee releases. We have all sorts of algae and red tide, so it's Ooh. not cool to be on the beach. So we're doing it at a country club where there's a pool. So we'll That's swim, nice. we'll sing, we'll sing in the pool for old people that are around the pool. You know, we'll practice, <laughs> uh, we'll bond, we'll, you know, do some stuff. So we do that at the beginning of the year just to kind of get as many tunes up as possible. And then we just kind of attack them as we go through. And then when we get on and we're thinking about choreo and that kind of stuff, then we'll devote, you know, more of the rehearsals to those. But, that's kind of how we how we break them down. And I'm I'm curious, do all of your students uh, sight read or are they more of the auditory type learners or Yeah, we sight read. I make my kids sight read all the time mm-hmm. in classes at our school. Um I actually there's an amazing program that any director, any high school director that's listening factory? needs to do. Sightreadingfactory.com. <laughs> my kids have a weekly I do subscriptions for them, so um, my kids have a weekly assignment and it gets harder and harder as we go through the year, uh, to really push them. It's not my f- most fun, you know, hour or two hours every weekend grading them, but, uh, mm-hmm. the benefits that it gets are, are really amazing. And we've been able to do, you know, a lot more complicated music because they are kind of on board. And there's some of those rhythms you just can't sight read, you know, you got to do it mm-hmm. the old fashioned right. kind of pound of yeah. in, but lots of stuff. You know, we can read the basics and get the notes in and then, you know, rough it in. So really giving them that background has helped a lot. You know, that kind of warms my heart in a way. I'm getting ready to go into student teaching um, for high school choir. And I, I've i been exposed to a lot of negative attitudes on both sides from acapella people not liking choir people or choir people feeling like acapella is too simple and not quote-unquote real singing so uh you you lead the like the choir program at cyprus is that correct yes yeah yes. so this is really great for me to hear that there is a a functioning flourishing choral program that has its roots in things like sight reading things like uh repertoire vocal building all that stuff that informs 
the acapella experience. Because Brian and I have had that conversation a couple of times about how easy it is for there to be that division between these two genres, between these two styles and these two cultures. So I think it's really awesome that because your kids are doing well in your, you know, um, the quote unquote day job, you know, when they're in there just doing, when they're sight reading, when they're doing all that stuff and it is making the acapella better. Uh, and that's something I think more and more groups should uh, recognize and take advantage of. Yeah. And just uh, you know, as your student teaching, uh, I don't know if you have a smart board or a projector, but mm-hmm. ev- every day, every class, we do like three or four exercises uh, on sight reading factory as a class. We do some, sometimes we'll do a little harder unisons, then we'll do four parts. Or if it's my women's choir, we'll do three parts. Uh, and just every day get them going. And it's, you know, it's really painless and it's like two, three minutes. Yeah. Of the rehearsal, but it's two or three minutes that's so well spent. Like the benefits are so, yep. so much beyond that two or three minutes that you're spending once you get it going. It's a few more minutes to get it going, but once you get it going and that's all you're spending a day, it's, it reaps so many benefits down it's, the line. Yeah. It's, it's the repetition and, and that's, and that's essential. Yeah. So I have a really random question, but, but it kind of ties in since we're on the subject of <laughs> teaching. But has, has there ever been like a moment that's kind of caught you off guard or, you know, a moment of surprise while you've been teaching? Maybe story sticks out in regards to something a student did, or maybe there was a moment where just like, wow, the, the group just really clicked. Or is there anything of the like for you? We've had, We've had, you know, over the years, I've had several crazy moments. Uh, mm-hmm. one time we were singing this piece, uh, in, in my top choir called Saul, which is pipe organ and it's kind of crazy. Saul. And there's this huge moment and we live in the lightning capital of the world. Florida's the lightning capital of the world. Right mm-hmm. at this huge moment. Why do you persecute? There is like this insane, like it must have been so close to the school, lightning mm-hmm. crash. And all the kids are like, oh, my God. What is just, <laughs> we can't, I don't know. Has God hurt us? What is going on with this piece? So uh, that's one of the crazy moments. Uh, there's another crazy moment where I thought it might be a good idea that when I first got to Cyprus, there were no seated risers in the room. And uh, a 50-person choir was on four rows. They couldn't see me. So... I got inspired, so I jumped up on the piano bench, and I'm conducting on the oh, piano yeah. bench. <laughs> mm. And, um, you know, so like the tenors needed help, so I jumped down and played a couple notes on the piano, and then I jumped back onto the piano bench, and uh, my foot went a little oh, no. too far back. <laughs> Lose it, I come down forward. I, You know, oh, if I no. could see, a, if there would have been a video, I'm sure my head was no more than an inch from the keyboard, you know, as I went by, but I didn't hit anything, and I went on the floor, <laughs> And they all stopped singing and they're like silence, like, oh my God, I think Mr. Stroh just died. And <laughs> so then I stand up and I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. I bow. And then they're like crying and they're dying. And so that story has lived like today. That was 18 years ago. That story's lived today. So, you know, we have these little things and, you know, they live forever, you know, when you do crazy stuff and, you know, it's fun to, to remember. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's great. And I think we all appreciate those moments a lot as just kind of little, little moments of hilarity that, that live on beyond, beyond us. So, uh, we're going to take one more quick break as we wind down this episode. We're going to pass it on over to Erin McCullough with her segment Across the Pond. And then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella with John, Brian, and Gary. 
You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. Hello and welcome back to Across the Pond. My name is Erin and Across the Pond is all about bringing you the highlights um, of acapella in the UK. So this week we have an incredibly special guest or guests who are very close to my heart. Um, It is the UK representative for the ICCA Open happening this weekend from the UK, from London. They are called Vogue Collective. In the interview, I have got Gabriella Monnington and Andrew Hicks. And not only is it so important that we talk to them about Vogue Collective and about their thoughts on the group and how they're feeling about the Open, but um, it's really special for me because they started they founded uh, Aquapella the collegiate group that I'm in which is you know a huge part of my life at the minute so I'm really grateful for them for doing the interview so I've asked them a range of questions you know from what it was like to join the group the differences between being sort of a semi-professional group and university and what, what the challenges are that come with that because it is so different everything from the way you operate to how your music sounds how you fund things everything um, is completely different to university life so um, I've sort of picked their brains on that a bit and I've asked them how they're feeling for this weekend, how their set is going and all the good parts of Vogue Collective. So here they are. This is Gabs and Andy and this is them answering some questions about the ICCA Open. Hi, I'm Gabs. I'm Andy. And we are both part of Vogue Collective, which is a six-piece London-based mixed a cappella group. And we are going to the Open Finals in Carnegie Hall in New York in less than a week, which we're really excited about. All six of us met while doing a cappella at universities across the UK. And Gabs and I are alumni of Aquapella from the University of Bath. Yeah, I think it was quite helpful us all coming from uh, sort of University Aquapella. I think we all knew the school, as it were. Um, but it has been quite a different experience than at university. I think for one, trying to balance full-time jobs and actually like this is real life now. It's, it's quite difficult to find time to do it among all the other things. And also I think it makes it so much more important that it needs to be rewarding and fun. Um, so that's kind of, I guess the, that for us is like the main different um, organisationally to University Acapella. Um, I think it also helps at university that your year is kind of structured by the competitions and by the kind of academic year. You're all on holiday at the same time. Um, whereas, you know, in our group, we all go on holiday at different times when we can get time off work. Scott, our beatboxer's getting married. It's been a bit of a hectic year. Um, and I think that's part of the reason we wanted to apply for the Open. Uh, we thought it might help us uh, sort of get our asses in gear, as it were. Um, we did actually apply quite late, didn't we? Yeah, we remembered about the deadline pretty late and threw a video together at the last minute. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we like the video, but um, I think we were maybe expecting for there to be more rounds in between. So when we heard you're going to Carnegie Hall, um, that was that was pretty, um, that was that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Was a it? bit of a shock. <laughs> no, but a, a really good one and we're super excited. I think being part of a six-piece a cappella group is very different from, I think, the... How many were we in a cappella? 16, more or less? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a 
it's a very different sound. Um, I'm not going to say one is better than the other. I just think they're quite different. Um, I think that for arranging, that poses very different challenges. You've got maybe more voices to work with um, in a larger group. It's a bit more of a choral sound, I guess. Six piece, it's, you know, the sound is very different. I think there's more emphasis on the individual voices. And of course we want to blend. Um, and I think we do have quite a good blend in the collective. But um, for me individually as a singer, um, I've been working a lot more on my individual voice rather than trying to blend on a part with someone. And that's been quite a unique challenge and something that I've actually really enjoyed. Yeah, it's definitely more challenging in terms of arranging and there's more pressure in terms of your part because you've got no one to hide behind but it also gives you a bit more freedom in the part that you're singing particularly bass lines you can mess around a bit more and stuff like that so it's now a week until finals day and the nerves have been ramping up a little bit the last couple of weeks it's been getting very real yeah we're having a little bit of a quieter final week in the run up to competition than I think expected um unfortunately two of the girls have flu we hope they get better soon um and as I mentioned before Scott our beatboxer has gone just gone up to Scotland to get married we're super excited for Yay, him congratulations Scott um he is arriving day of competition in um into New York uh we hope that will go smoothly <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine um but yeah we're we're excited yeah, we're really happy with our set, so everything's going to be fine. And this is a pretty special opportunity to go and sing in Carnegie Hall, so we want to go out there and have as much fun as possible. So thank you so much to Gabs and Andy for coming on for an interview on Across the Pond. We want to wish them the absolute best of luck. Personally, Gabs and Andy have done so much for uh, for me and for Aquapella, the group, and I know that they've instilled all of those incredible values and a great work ethic within Vogue Collective as well, and I can only wish them the absolute best of luck, and I hope they have an amazing time. Just a quick story, when Aquapella were in New York for the ICCA finals a couple of years ago, Gabs and Andy came and surprised us there, which was unbelievable, and it was so wonderful to have them, so uh, we won't be there physically, but we're with you there in spirit. Have the absolute best time. Bye, until next week. And we're back on Tacapella. We've been having one incredible show with Gary Stroh. He is the director of TAG at Cypress Lake High School. And man, these stories and everything that we've been discussing in the high school realm has been completely awesome. So just to wrap up the show as we have been doing per tradition, as we like to ask our guests, you know, if they could offer one piece of advice to uh, aspiring musicians, those in acapella community or the like, you know, what would it be? So Gary, we pose this question to you. What advice would you offer? Well, I'd like to direct it to high school directors, especially some that may not be so sure if they want to try this crazy thing uh, called acapella. And uh, my advice is give it a shot, even if it's just one song uh, and it's four parts, because uh, you always have some kid that can beatbox, so they can do that. Uh, and let the kids, because the kids will eat it up uh, and your audiences will eat it up, even if there's just one song on a concert. Uh, and the, them doing that, the, the process of singing acapella, of using their ears, of hearing is going to make them such a better singer in your program. I hear from lots of people that, Oh, I just don't know. It's too hard. They can't do it. 
Um, but I think the exact opposite is the case that by doing it, even starting at a simple level, when we started, our arrangements were just four part stuff. Uh, you know, now we're doing like insane ones that we shouldn't probably be doing, but we are, but just starting at that most simple level and letting the kids have success and have fun and building really does nothing but help uh, your program and will make them better singers, which will make your classical choirs, uh, even better. Uh, and build, you know, help build your numbers, uh, as well. So I, I always just want everybody just to give it a shot, uh, to try it. And there's so many people who are willing to help, uh, and send you arrangements. Cause that, you know, it's when I started, I was like, Oh my gosh, where are we getting arrangements? Um, so I've, I've done a clinic at our Florida educators, you know, and, and given out tons of arrangements and, and advice resources where they could find them. So just to try it. And get your kids into it because it will make your overall program better. And so that's my advice to all the high school directors. Well said. I really appreciate hearing that as someone hopefully going to be a high school director in a year or so. So uh, thank you, Gary. And thank you for coming on the show today. If people want to see what TAG is about, uh, how could they do that? Um, They can follow us on social media. We're at TAG underscore Cypress. T-A-G underscore C-Y-P-R-E-S-S on everything, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we're looking very forward to uh, our Memphis video. We, we got the professional video. So uh, if you want to see us, we have our Memphis videos from two years ago up. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get our last year's Memphis video up that you can actually see tag in action. And then uh, if you have Apple Music or iTunes, we have... Uh, nine albums currently on there and in the uh, end of September uh, our 11th album uh, is going to be released and we're super excited about sharing our music with the world awesome thank you again so much Gary for coming on today it was great hearing about tag about your journey and starting it and uh, leading it to uh, and making it the institution in acapella it is today so thank you again so much everybody that is our episode brian if people want to reach you on find out where you are send you uh wedding gifts because uh someone's getting married <laughs> here in a week um by the time thank this you. airs you'll probably think congratulations you'll um, thank you appreciate it <laughs> uh how, how can they do that man where can they find you well if you want to send me wedding gifts uh just dm me on twitter and i'm sure i can provide you with an address uh but you can always find me on twitter at brian underscore a05 and as always please follow um the different channels I run with college acapella. Awesome. Uh, everyone, if you want to find me, I'm always in the same place at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter and Instagram. One more time, Gary, thank you so much for coming on today. It, w- it was really great to hear about TAG and see how it all came to be. So thank you again. Thank you. I had a great time. Awesome. Everybody, that's it for Tacapella this week. We'll be back uh, same place, same time next week. And for everything acapella, please... Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Tacapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions, where I'll be talking about different tips and tricks that will help your acapella group get to the next level. Today, I'm going to be talking about the vocal pyramid of warm-ups, which contain the basic principles you need to conduct the most effective warm-up for your singers. So I'm going to start at the very bottom of the pyramid, so the most basic, fundamental part of singing posture and breathing. So with posture, imagine the fruits and veggies slot on the bottom. In general, you want the most of this. So before you even play your first note of warm-ups, make sure everyone's upright and relaxed, and that may mean that before you sing, you have them do a posture warm-up or a shakedown to get the tension out of their bodies that come from our stressful day-to-day lives. 
A shakedown is good. Bending over or coming up slowly is another. Or even a massage train where everyone's kind of massaging each other's shoulders. That's my personal favorite. And make sure no one is slouched on their phones, etc. Because being on your computer or phone causes your neck and shoulders a lot of strain. And I know we do that a lot every day. But I absolutely hate it when people use their phone or computer as sheet music because that encourages such bad posture and there's literally no way to hold the computer in a way that's going to be good or comfortable and there's no way to really use a phone either without straining your neck or squinting or putting it like right in front of your face. So I highly encourage not using those, but everyone has their has their tools. And next, breathing. We want our breathing to be steady and controlled, right? So warm-ups dictate what we're going to do and how we feel for that day. So I would not start with like a fast warm-up that may encourage your singers to take short gaspy breaths at the beginning. But if you start with something a little bit more mellow that encourages low, deep breaths, they're more likely to be able to take that into their rehearsal even when the song is fast and requires shorter breaths. And breathing is the foundation for everything and without it, everything else will kind of crumble, right? So with that, next up on the pyramid, we have registration. Registration is more or less different ranges of your voice. For example, we all have a chest voice and a head voice or falsetto for guys. You all probably know this already, but why am I bringing this up for warm-ups? Well, because when you're singing a piece, we are oftentimes navigating our way through different registers based on what notes we are singing. And that can get pretty tricky or even straining if you aren't doing it right or if you're doing it too suddenly without warming up. So highly recommend starting your warm up with a descending line. This is something not a lot of people know. The reason for this is A, so your voice is not trying to go as high as it can right off the bat, but B, to navigate through your lower register to get to your low notes first. Typically, your lower registers are a little easier to navigate because we talk down there all day, but getting your voice used to that in the easiest way possible will help you later in the rehearsal because your singers probably won't be as tired. And then afterwards, you'll obviously go upwards and navigate your upper registers as well. So... After you've done that, next on the pyramid, we have resonance. Resonance in simple terms is basically how much tone and volume there is to your voice. Like for example, if someone has a particularly breathy or airy voice, they don't have a whole lot of resonance. There's too much air and not enough tone. Now in pop music, sometimes that's a stylistic thing and that's totally cool, but when you're warming up, you kind of want to take those things out of the equation. And on the other hand, it is also possible to have too much resonance where there's just too much tone. That just means that there isn't a good balance between tone and air, but an easy example of how you can apply resonance to warm-ups is just having everyone sing in unison on one note and maybe alternating some vowels like E-A-O-O. This will allow you to basically pick out who doesn't have enough and who has too much resonance. The ones with too little will sound kind of like a leaky air valve, like there's just air leaking from somewhere and that's probably the result of one of your singers being too airy. And the ones with too much resonance will stick out of the texture and not blend very well. I had a singer once who I just kept asking to sing quieter and quieter, but his voice was still sticking out of the texture. And I finally figured out that there's just too much resonance from him. And as a short-term solution, I just asked him to sing with a little bit more air to help his voice blend. And that actually kind of worked out. But finally, on top of the pyramid, we have diction. And although it may not be as important as when you're singing traditional classical music, people still want to understand what you're saying, right? It's essential for getting your message across, which is the whole point of acapella. (laughs) So for this warm-up, I would recommend taking something that you already have in one of your songs that you're probably all singing in homophony, and that would be perfect because you have different notes and you're all singing the same rhythms, but 
when you're doing this, focus on singing so that someone who has never heard the song before will still understand you. Normally, this is where choir directors are like, no diphthongs, no this and that, but you're probably singing pop or some kind of non-traditional music. So I would say don't worry about it too much. As long as it's not hurting your ears, it's probably fine. And just make sure that the consonants are clear. And this would also be a good time to practice your cutoffs with your consonants or vowels during your exercise. So that's basically it. But let's review. On the bottom, you have posture and breathing. And above that, you have registration, then you have resonance, and at the very top, you have diction. All of these are equally important for a good performance, obviously, but this is a good way to structure warm-ups to get your singers ready for the rehearsal. So there you have it, the vocal warm-up pyramid. Hopefully you can use this as a guide for the future in your rehearsals. So that's it for this week, but if you have any specific questions you'd like me to answer, you can post them on any of Akaville's social media sites and make sure to tag Asking for Directions or you can reach out to me personally at Lisa Hawkins on Facebook or at Lisa.Yoda on Instagram. And thanks for tuning in for this week's Asking for Directions.